Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. The day after podcast actually uh, is going to be the day after Carolina and Pittsburgh played. It just might be eight minutes after. I, of course, got Jason Staples and Buck Sanders with me. Uh, Buck, um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm getting a little tired of this uh, lose small portion of the program in Mac Brown's evolution of the program. I mean, it is uh, it is brutal watching North Carolina play football. Great comeback, tons of fight out of this team, but another OT loss in a game that thought they might sneak out of Heinz Field with one. Your overall thoughts? Uh, I hardly know where to begin, Tommy. It's just uh, just we've seen this movie before, hadn't we? Um, At least, well, we have seen this movie before six times this season. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Um. I haven't uh, looked at the message boards. Uh, I don't know what people are talking about. Uh, you know, the three of us have joined this podcast minutes after the conclusion. I haven't had my time to do my usual thorough, uh, you know, review of all the facts. But um, you know, the the long and the short of it is is that. Um, the defense just didn't play well enough to win. Uh, they gave a lot of fight. They did everything they could, uh, but it, they just didn't do enough to win. Uh, Pittsburgh had like their career day this season, uh, not being able to get Kenny Pickett on the ground, uh, letting him throw for three fifty nine. Uh, those things. You know, even their running game uh, was decent. They had 139 yards rushing. The North Carolina offense, particularly once Sam Howell got into his fourth quarter mode, uh, which is unbelievable. That kid is just unbelievable. Some of those passes he threw in the fourth quarter, you know, it looked like he was trying to throw into a – just a buzzsaw in the backfield, people swarming all around him, you know, him trying to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball, which he did uh, repeatedly, uh, was amazing to watch. Uh, very encouraging as this team moves forward. Uh, they've only got a couple of games left, but uh, I don't really know what to say about the defense. It, it is, I think they're wearing down maybe. I don't want to use that as an excuse, but uh, the starters have played a lot of snaps this year, and even with a ten-day break, you can't really recover uh, from a you know a season where you've had you know five hundred snaps over the course of a year for your defensive tackles. So maybe it's the defense wearing down. Uh, Pitt has an outstanding uh, defensive line and just an outstanding defensive scheme when it comes to rushing the passer. I mean, there's a reason why they lead um, the entire FBS in sacks this year, and they got five tonight. But, um, you know, I think North Carolina did enough uh, to win. 
in terms of uh, the offense. They, they couldn't make it happen in overtime. And, you know, they left some points on the field, but so did Pitt. Uh, so uh, I think maybe defense wearing down and, uh, you know, the strength of uh, Pittsburgh's defensive line was the story of the game. Jason, you got to win games in the trenches, and ultimately, when it mattered, especially in that overtime, Pitt's defensive line came through and made plays. They should have been without one of them uh, early in the game. I'm not quite sure how 34 stayed in there, um, and uh, you know, they, but he, I didn't hear his name a lot after that. But 97 certainly played his rear end off, and on that last play, Howell's got. Newsom open in the end zone to tie it, and the guy gets his hand on the ball. I mean, he just made a play. Uh, your thoughts on what Buck had to say, they're wearing down. I think that's pretty clear that they're wearing down. Um, I also thought uh, if you're going to win that game, it needs to happen there at the end of regulation. But anyway, there's not a whole lot you can say. Somebody on the podcast said just replay one of the last ones we've done, and it's about the same. And They're absolutely right, Jason, but – I'll let you uh, make a different spin on things. Yeah, a couple things. One is uh, that, yeah, I do think they're they're wearing down. I mean, w- this is something we talked about in the preseason, is that the it was really going to be try to win some games early in the year and then hold on tight and hope that you, did, you don't have enough, you don't have a bunch of injuries and that you don't wear down because the depth just isn't there. Well, I mean – there's a whole lot we've gotten wrong this year as a, as a group, but that's one thing, man. When you go back to the preseason podcast, we got that one dead, dead on right. And, you know, that's something that the whole inside Carolina crew, I mean, we all were in agreement on that and, and that was right. And we're seeing it. That said, you know, it's interesting because Buck, I came at this, you know, again, I haven't had time to really go back through. I mean, this is still, still fresh for me as well, obviously. But when I was thinking about it, there were there were really two things that stood out to me, and it wasn't so much that the defense didn't get the job done, but that the offense had multiple opportunities to get some big plays that would have changed this game completely, and they just they came up short each time. Uh, Howell missed on uh, on three deep shots that were sure touchdowns if he puts them on the money, and those have been balls he's hit pretty consistently this year. And he missed him. And then you had uh, Antoine Green. That you didn't, there wasn't a, even a replay of it. You, you didn't really see it all that much in live action. But there's, there's a little short one from the slot that if he catches that, that probably scores. Because the whole defense was going against the grain and there was nobody on the other side. And he's running against the grain. He probably scores on that. So that's four different plays that score touchdowns that – I believe, if I remember right, and haven't had a chance to go back over this, but I'm pretty sure that on those four drives combined, they came up with three total points. And that should have been 28 points. Well, there's your ball game right there. And, you know, they just did not make the... And, and I think this the, the, the theme of this one is that they did not make the play, the, the one play that they needed to make at any point to put this game away and to, to change the game offensively. Uh, and defensively, you know, right now, you know what you're going to get. I mean, they're, they're holding on for dear life and, you know, Pitt and a lot of other teams, they've, they've started doing a lot of six and seven man protections and, and different things to, to keep 
their quarterbacks clean. And then when Carolina did get a chance to to get hands on him, he he did a good job of breaking contain, and they didn't do a real good job tackling in the backfield. Uh, I'd love to see Surratt start using all of his arms. He has a tendency to alligator arm. That's the one thing right now at, at linebacker is when he's in cha- when he's in a uh, uh, a side tackle situation where he's not where he's running where he's not actually catching the hit or, or delivering a hit, he oftentimes will short arm the tackle and he needs to get his arms further out there. And then he's going to make a couple more of those tackles. But uh, you know, there were a few misses in the, in the backfield that they had on picket that would have made a difference. But to me, the biggest thing was you had four legitimate opportunities to make huge plays in the passing game and even if you go one for four, you probably win the game. If you go two for four, you win the game comfortably. And if you do what Sam Howell has done most of the year and you hit three for four of those, you win really comfortably. And and that was the that was the difference in the game, I think, overall. Uh, the other thing that stood out, and I said there were two things. The other thing that stood out was there was an egregious hold. Uncalled, as has been the case most of the year, but on that third down play that was that was a third and long conversion for Pitt on that in that first overtime if you go back and you watch Dom Dom Ross is r- rushing off the edge there and he's got a great angle to get get his hands on the quarterback and then he gets collared it's a hands to the face situation you could have called a face mask hands to the face or a holding call cuz he's got him by by the by the face and the collar and, and you see him completely get bent around it's a it's a clear every indicator of holding and hands to the face and doesn't get called. That gets called and now it's third and even longer. That's a game changing miss and that's another that's the other thing that really stood out to me is North Carolina can't complain about that because there are a couple that went their way. There should have been a pass interference on Mac, on Mac or uh, I wanted to say Mac Collins, but uh, on Bo Corrales in the end zone there toward the end. That should have been an offensive pass interference. And they went to that well too many times on the back shoulder there. That corner started started sniffing that out real well. Uh, they they were playing uh, bail on that sort of that that what we talked about in la- in the preview conversation of how do you stop the back shoulder? And I said, well, one way is to is to to bail out and and keep your eyes to where you've got that, so you're not really you're not actually playing press man, and then you can you can actually react to the football. Well, they did that a few times, and they and Carolina didn't recognize it, and they still threw the, the the fade, and it was lucky they didn't get picked a couple times. But one of them should have been an OPI. So there's certain stuff Carolina can't complain about in that in that regard. But that was a big no call that that affected the game, and at the same time, the reason the, the other big reason Carolina can't complain is over four on the game changing pass opportunities, and you got you got to come up with you got to come up with those and make a difference in the game. You 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 got to go out and win that game. Yep, yeah, and that's and I said I wasn't going to talk about officiating because I don't think it ultimately mattered. That play was huge, though. I mean, I just don't see how you can miss that. You, you I, you know, there's no point in talking about. It. Like you said, if Carolina makes the plays that were there, and and the routine plays that they've made all year, it's not even a question, Buck. Um, you, you know, let's talk a little bit more about Sam Howell. Um, no, 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 I'm gonna go this way because we've talked about Sam Howe enough, and your opening statement was very good. I mean, he you can't keep leaving it on his shoulders every single weekend. The fact that he's performed – if he's not first-team All-ACC, it's a travesty. That being said, but uh, – I'd, I'd still probably go with the elf there, but it's close. Uh, 
Well, they, you, I don't know if y'all noticed, but they, they didn't put him on the, uh, the O'Brien o, list, O'Brien list, which I thought was a travesty That's as nuts. well. Oh, yeah. if it's based. Okay. Let's talk about it for a minute. If it's based off record, if say Carolina finishes six and six, Sam House should be ACC player of the year. What was, <laughs> or, or no, excuse me. At, at first team all ACC for a variety of reasons, but the numbers he puts up, Jason is, is the elf. Your pick because Clemson's undefeated, or because no, he's had a better season than Sam Howell. It's 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 more because if I'm if I'm the way I tend to, to to judge these teams if I'm making the if I'm making the pick and I've got to vote for some of the stuff, uh, but the way I make my picks is if I were coaching, who's the guy I'd least want to face at that position? And it's a pretty simple, pretty simple thing for me there. Uh, Fair enough. If that's you know, what you're and. Doing. And statistically, I mean, spe- statistically speaking, Sa- Howell's stats are as, just about as good as anybody's in the country if you're just looking at touchdowns and interceptions and, and some of that stuff. But you know, when you're looking at some of the other stuff and you're looking at the film, you go, okay, well, <laughs> I know which one I, would, I, I wouldn't want to play against Sam Howell. But don't get me wrong. The guy's been really, really good this year. But if I, if I have to you know, bet my life on a game and I'm coaching against a guy, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably preferring to play against Howell versus the elf. I'll leave it there. Those are accurate, man. We, we will, we will revisit that um, at the end of the season. Let me talk about Johnny t-shirt right fast, Johnny t-shirt.com and certainly Johnny t-shirt on Franklin street. Wonderful sponsors of this podcast. Uh, great cold weather gear they have. Uh, I was in there Monday. They got a lot of sweatshirts and a lot of things that you could keep warm um, around these parts. I don't know about Pittsburgh cold, but North Carolina cold, you can certainly use uh, their gear and stay warm. Of course, great, great customer service online and in person. And if you're an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, as many of you are, you get that 10% off their off your everyday order, either in person or online. And it works. I'm not only an, speaking about it, I'm a client, and the, and the uh, 10% off works in person. But this is the main thing, though, that this team has not figured out all year, and I don't know why that is. But they have not played fully all year except stretches in the fourth quarter. Can you explain that to me, Buck, that we're uh, – three games, two games left now in the season, and it's the same MO every single week. It is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, it is mind-boggling. And, you know, Jason made a great uh, point about uh, some of the plays that uh, Sam was unable to connect with uh, some of his receivers. I I was sort of looking at it in terms of what Pittsburgh's offense has been this year. And it's atrocious. Uh, you know, they they average like 380 yards a game. They don't have a great uh, run game. Uh, Pickett has done just enough uh, to, uh, you know, win games, but, you know, has been nothing special. So I, I was looking at it from that perspective, but in terms of watching this game, I think Jason's right. I, I don't understand either, Tommy. I mean – uh, you know, at, at, at a certain point, um, North Carolina's got to find ways, uh, to 
kick it in gear a little better than they do and just uh, they go through lulls and quarters uh, like basically the entire second and third quarter there was nothing there um, they started out good in the first quarter but second and third quarter you know they just kind of went into a lull and then uh, fourth quarter gets there and uh, they find another gear I don't know how to explain that. Maybe it's play calling. Maybe they just get looser at that point. Uh, maybe Sam Howell just plays better when he's under extreme pressure like that. I I, I don't know that I have a great explanation for it, but, um, you know, it, it, it does get wearying for sure uh, to sort of watch the same game over and over and over again. Um you know, there, there will probably be some things said about play calling. Um, I, you know, I haven't even looked at what anybody else has said. I thought they maybe went to Bo Corrales in that corner uh, a few too many times with number 11 on him. Um, and you're right about uh, that targeting call in the first quarter. That guy should have been out of the game. I, how they reviewed that and, and didn't find targeting, I, I'll never – understand but uh you know that and i didn't think the second targeting the one where they did eject the guy was actually a good call because he was going for the ball it was incidental that he hit that his helmet hit i don't they've lost me with this targeting enforcement thing i'm baffled yeah it's it's a little weird it's a little weird all the way around um you know one of the things that um they talked about the announcers talked about uh during the game uh, after halftime is that um, Mac Brown talked to his team and said, look, you've got, you got to just talk. Don't, I mean, just play, Don't, stop talking, start being, stop being chippy, you know, stop getting into it with the pit players, you know, just play the game. Don't get involved in this ticky tack stuff. And he asked Narduzzi the same question. He said, well, I like it when they get chippy like that. And I don't really know what to say about that. I thought um, there at the, at the end, you know, when North Carolina was making this comeback, um, that that wasn't really a factor at all. But I wonder if it is a factor at all during a game, you know, when one coach is telling his guys, go out there and just do whatever you want to. And the other coach is telling us guys, look, you know, just, just play ball. Don't get involved with the trash talking and, uh, you know, bumping into people and pushing them after the play's over with and stuff like that. Um, I, I've got to wrap my mind around that before I write my column, which I won't do until late tomorrow since it's, we're already <laughs> past the midnight hour, but, uh, you got to get that beauty rest. I got to get that beauty rest. And for people Did listening, you say booty rest or beauty rest? I, I kind of said, yeah, you get your oh. mind out of the gutter, Jason. <laughs> I'm talking about beauty. Tommy's mind. I said, oh, beauty. Uh huh. Okay. Well, it is late and uh, it's okay. bedtime. You know, <laughs> folks listening, this is instant and this is edit free, man. There's too much going on for this to be a big edit. So uh, you get what you get with this podcast. Uh, Jason, Raw let's talk about an uncut exactly. inside Carolina. Day after podcast, you got booty and raw in the 
in 30 seconds on the Inside Carolina Day After <laughs> podcast. Uh, Jason, let's talk about play calling a little bit because I am not going to – I'm not quite sure why I even call runs when Howe gets hot, but I understand it. But folks that fuss about the play calling, well, we've already, already talked about the four passes that should have been touchdowns, almost surefire touchdowns. There was another play call there on the little uh, – sugar huddle bunch up diamond formation that if Carl Tucker doesn't fall down it's an easy walk-in touchdown I mean at what point do folks get off the play calling I'm thinking never and Buck you uh alluded said you haven't read the message boards well you probably should um because I checked in briefly and it was brutal well I I never read the game thread I'd never get on the game thread. That that's just a invitation to insanity. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it it was brutal. But Jason play calling. I mean, I don't I don't really have a gripe with it. Um, Antonio Williams needs to run straight ahead. He doesn't need to have any bounce plays. But uh, other than that, I mean, you execute, you win easily, and that's usually the case. Yeah, I mean. People tend to get the most vilified person on any college on any college football team, on at least as far as coaches go. And generally, the most vilified person in general is going to be the offensive coordinator. And if it's not the offensive coordinator, it's the offensive line coach. That's it's just the way it is. Because first of all, people ju- people just assume that if you call a play, then that's what's going to happen. And that's hard. It's hard to really wrap your mind around how, how, you know, football is one of the most elegant and amazing and great games to ever be invented because of its sort of chess with real people quality to it. You know, you're getting set pieces that are drawn up with specific like you got you do this you do you know everybody has their distinct assignments and then the fog of war comes in each play and something you it rarely goes like what you draw it up and so you have all these things that you've got in there well if he does this then you've got to do this and then if he does this you've got it and all of that has to be done in microseconds and then you know god forbid a guy loses his footing or something right? Or a guy falls down. And now what a terrible play call. Well, it's a terrible play call because, well, you know, maybe he should have been wearing the nine, nine fifteen or the nine sixteenths cleats instead of the seven sixteenths cleats tonight or something, you know, and that that's the bad call. Not the, not the call that was actually made. You know, I, there's always regardless, I can tell you right now that there are a handful of calls that Phil Longo would like to have back it's pretty much never going to happen that a play caller is going to call a perfect game because you're, you're, you're just not in a position to have perfect knowledge of what they're going to do. Your guys are going to, you know, do some things that are out of the ordinary. You know, you're, you're dealing with real live 18 to 22 year old human beings who, as we know, are the most reliable people on the planet to do exactly as they're instructed. You know, if they're given an assignment or something, and then you you know you're expecting all of that to to work out and you know stuff doesn't some, some sometimes something just doesn't get executed well 
Uh, at other times, you do make a bad call. And I, I thought there were a couple calls that could be quibbled with. You know, I, I, I bet you Longo would like to have the, the first down call uh, uh, in overtime uh, when they were down inside the – it was after they got the first down about the, from about the 13, the one run to Antonio Williams. I bet you he'd like to have that one back. But the thing is, if you're first guessing that instead of second guessing that, that's not a bad play call. Because if you looked at what they were in on the prior first down, that play probably hits for six yards. And not just the prior first down, but the prior, prior first down. So what you're doing is you're looking at this and you're saying, well, they were in this and we did this other thing, but we had a chance that, you know, he could have hit that seam if we actually give it to him there. So let's go ahead and and call that again. and, And maybe it hits and it doesn't, well, you know, you wish it had, but, the 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 reasoning is right and for me the test of a play caller isn't necessarily whether it works because sometimes you know just stuff's going to go wrong a guy's going to drop a ball or your quarterback's going to miss or guy's going to fall down or the the back is going to make a bad read or somebody's going to miss a block and that doesn't mean it was a bad call what what tells me whether it's a bad call or not is one do you understand what the limitations of your players are and what they can and can't do so if you're asking your guys to do what they can't do, that's 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 an immediate problem. But Longo hasn't been doing that all year. The next thing is, is the is the reasoning that you're taking into the play call good reasoning? And by and large, there's not a whole lot to complain about with with the way that Longo's called games all year. There's been stuff, and I've I've mentioned it in the past. There was some stuff late against Virginia Tech that I thought there were mistakes made there. I thought Longo made some mistakes there, and I think I think he owned up to some of that. Uh, but in this game, I thought I thought it was pretty well called, honestly. And you look at the fourth down play; they once again get a key fourth down because of a really good play call and a well designed play. The even the 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 end play in in overtime that scores without an outstanding effort play from from the uh, pit defensive end. It's a, it, a extremely well designed play. It looks like you're lined up for that uh, front side flood out of the bunch po- formation. And in fact, you're doing a little half roll to, to get a throwback. And the guy's wide open. And if that ball doesn't get hit out of, out of Sam's hand, that's a touchdown. You, those are good play calls in, in pressure situations. And just because it didn't work doesn't mean it's not a bad call. But again, for fans, it's hard to swallow that, that this isn't Madden. This isn't NCAA football where you – you, you know, put in the play and you expect your players to execute it. I mean, if you wanted a a Madden experience or an NCAA experience to be more like coaching, then you'd call the play and you'd have control over none of the players. And about 75% of the time, at least one or two of the players wouldn't do what you asked them to do when you're making the play call. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's, that's the way it really is. And it's, it's just hard to wrap your mind around how much that impacts things. It's, it really is, it's execution more than anything else. And and they hit two or three of those long ones for touchdowns and nobody's talking about play calling tonight. Yep. Indeed. Let me take a short break, come back. We will talk a little bit more about this one and look a little bit ahead. Uh, Carolina falls to four and six with another overtime loss this time at Pittsburgh. 34-27, Sam Howell uh, can't quite shoulder the load in overtime and the Tar Heels fall. Take a short break. We'll be right back. We're back. 
Tommy Ashley, Inside Carolina.com podcast, day after podcast with Jason Staples and Buck Sanders. Buck, Carolina's four and six. They got Mercer in nine days, and then the big one over in Raleigh. I tweeted out um, when they were down 24 to 10, if how much money could we have made if we predicted that this season and bowl eligibility was going to come down to overtime in Raleigh? Um, it's certainly looking like that's how this one's going to all shape up. And it seems like it would be pretty doggone fitting the way this one's gone all year, Buck. Well, from my perspective, I'd rather take a 21-point uh, win uh, in Raleigh. Uh, I've had enough overtime games and one-score games. Was a seven out of uh, the ten games they played have been cited decided by one score one way or the other and obviously um six nine out of the ten nine out of the ten games have been decided by seven points or less wow all except georgia tech incredible i mean just insanity yeah and all of their losses by one score um so yeah i could take a little bit more of a cushion against nc state i'd like to be uh drinking refreshing adult beverages by the uh, middle of the fourth quarter there. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's very frustrating, and I'm sure without looking that there are going to be a lot of frustrated people. Uh, North Carolina doesn't know how to finish. Uh, they're not tough enough. Uh, I don't know what else I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, play calling we've already talked about and some other things. We should talk about some superlatives. Um, last week, Deami Brown went for over 200 receiving yards. This week, Daz Newsom goes uh, 100, gets 170 receiving yards. Um, Hal is totally uh, indiscriminate in terms of who he wants to catch the ball. He's just looking for the open guy. And uh, I think that's that's a, another good factor, We're, and all of them kind of tie back into Sam Howell. Um, but you know, he, he doesn't care who's going to catch the ball. It's who, who's whoever is going to be open. Uh, so I, that's just a tremendous quality for a quarterback to have. He doesn't have a a go to guy. If that guy's not open, he doesn't know what to do. Um, I, I do think. Um, we probably haven't harked as much as we should on how much their defensive line, which is really, really good. And their defensive scheme is really, really good. Um, made the difference in this game because even when Sam was having trouble in the second and third quarter, and he was missing a lot of those balls, I do think that the, the pressure from Pittsburgh got to him some, um, because he had some guys open, but he was just missing them in, in ways he doesn't usually miss them. And I, I think that's also a little bit of a tribute to Pittsburgh's defense, which isn't bad on the on the back end either. they got some good guys in the secondary as well. So, um, you know, that, I think that's about all I can really say about it, Tommy. Um I, just like everybody else, and we'll repeat this for the tenth time. You know, these these games uh, will 
tear at your psyche a little bit because it feels like, uh, and you don't want the team to get to this point where they're in a tight game, they're going down the stretch, and they get the feeling, oh, here we go again. Um, that's definitely the thing you don't want to have happen. I don't think uh, with the experienced staff that North Carolina has, that's going to be a problem moving forward, but it's something that you need to worry about. You need to keep in the back of your mind that these guys don't develop that feeling that, uh, yeah, we're playing good. We're making a comeback, but geez, you know, the other team scores and this is going to be bad. You know, we've, we've all talked about that scenario before. Good stuff there, Jason. Last question before we get out of here. And if uh, if you two guys hadn't seen Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph deal in the Cleveland Pittsburgh Steeler game, uh, wow! If Miles Garrett plays another down uh, in the league this year, the NFL should be ashamed of themselves if y'all haven't seen it. I know our listeners by now have seen it, but it, it's incredible. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> You need you watch it. You, you you go watch it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's unbelievable. It was a fight, um, and Miles Garrett uh, hits Mason Rudolph in the head with a helmet. It's pretty 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 hard. Anyway, uh, Jason Mac Brown's in that locker room. Um, probably done with the locker room now. Um, his team has done like he's done all year. Never quit in the game. Come up just a little bit short. Um, you're ten games in. Are you over the hump where you worry about what Buck just talked about, um, that they start getting it in their head? Because, yes, they struggle, but they never seem to give up in these ball games, despite the fact that they've, they've lost more than they've won. Um, where are you in terms of psyche in Mac Brown's mind, do you think, Jason? Well, to, one other thing I want to I bring in before I even answer that, so we were talking about how there's nine games this year that have been decided by one score or fewer, right? So seven points or, or, or fewer points. So that's, that's crazy. You'd think that was, you know, completely beyond the pale. And they're, what, three and five or three and six in those games now, right? Uh, last year, it, you, you'd think – this was a, a total aberration, but last year North Carolina was in ten ga- or was in uh, was in eight games decided by ten or fewer, and they were one in seven in those games. So they've made some progress actually <laughs> in 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 this respect. But you realize how that out of uh, let's see the last seventeen games, fifteen of Carolina's last seventeen games have been decided by ten or fewer points. That's insane. How how is any Carolina fan alive right now? Like, how are we doing this podcast now? I mean, you'd think everybody would be in the hospital. Or, or you know, exactly why problems. I said, yeah, it's exactly why I said I'm tired of the the lose small, you know, the win small, lose small portion of the evolution. It's it's been crazy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, getting to the to the nuts and bolts of your question. I don't, I'm not concerned about that in the least. And the main reason is because they need to make a bowl and the, everybody there wants to make a bowl. Those kids want to make a bowl. They want to keep playing and they want to, and they want the bowl swag that you get, even if it's a small bowl, you know, it, it's, it, it marks a step forward for the program and they all know this. So 
you don't worry. This team is not going to quit. They're not going to pout or do anything like that because, first of all, they need to beat Mercer in order to have a chance to, to, to make a bowl game. But second of all, it's NC State. <laughs> so you already know that that's a rivalry game. So they're even if even otherwise, they would they would be getting up for that game. But it's NC State with a bowl on the line. Yeah, they're not going to be feeling anything. They they get into the fourth quarter next the next time, and they're gonna they're gonna fight and they're gonna claw and they're gonna do the same thing that they've done uh, all year. And and they've been better than the opposing team the teams in the fourth quarter. This is not a team that's quit. Uh, and you know we'll see we'll see what what transpires out of this. But I don't see any way that this team gets down or or, or believes that oh man we just we we can't close we can't. No, they're they this team believes they're going to make a bowl. They know that they can get some things right against Mercer. Hopefully, you know, if you're if you're thinking about this from the coaching perspective, you want to get up early against Mercer and let let a lot of those defensive guys, those key defensive pieces, you know, if you if you can let uh uh say Strobridge and Crawford play about 20 snaps against Mercer, you're thrilled. <laughs> So and and actually, it's worth noting that today we saw that for the first time really this year we saw Jason Strobridge mostly line up on the outside up until about up until the fourth quarter, and even in in the fourth quarter and overtime at different points, Jason Strobridge was lined up on the outside, which is really the first we've seen that this year. And instead, we saw Jaleel Taylor next to Aaron Crawford on the inside, which shows that they're trying to find some ways to work some additional guys into the rotation at this point. Taylor had 86 snaps on the year. I bet you he had 45, maybe 50 today. And, you know, so he played almost, he played probably more than half the number of snaps that he played on the year against Pitt. Now, some of that's because of what Pitt does in the running game and all that. But this is something where against, against Mercer, what you're going to try to do is get those guys on the field as much as possible and rest a little bit for NC State. But, this team's going to be going to be ready to go. There's no reason to think that there's going to be any letdown or any hanging of the head. They're going to be frustrated, but but this team wants to make a bowl. Indeed, I, I tell you what, though, it's tough. It's tough, and that's why the coaches get paid the big bucks. But I agree with you. The players want to get there. Uh, they've got one against Mercer. That should be uh, one to allow some guys to get healthy again. And then NC State and Raleigh last game of the season. Uh, State's either going to be five and six or four and seven. Carolina's likely five and six. That should be uh, the day, the weekend after Thanksgiving should be on fire in Raleigh. Buck and Jason, I appreciate you guys getting this done directly after Carolina's overtime loss against Pittsburgh, 34-27. This has been the day after podcast, and it is indeed the day after as we speak, Jason and Buck. Oh, my gosh. Always, always a pleasure. I'm seeing the Miles Garrett thing now. Good lord, Cleveland really got to him. He, like the, the the Cleveland in him is strong now. Yeah, in, <laughs> in, incredible. It, it, you know, it, it's just incredible what the guy did. But anyway, uh, it's been for, fun, Tommy. <laughs> for another day. Yep. But yep. Appreciate All right, it. guys. We'll talk later. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.